This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. Good morning. Mark 4. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon began to gather around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across its field, some of the seed fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil while with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly but because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the sun and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times much, as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. Later when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret to the kingdom of God. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so the scriptures may be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand the other parables? The farmer plants his seed, taking God's word to others. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message, only have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted or believe in God's, for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. Then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine, for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day while he sleeps or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crop on its own. First the leaf pushes through, and then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. 
Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God with a, what story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterwards, he, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciple, let's cross to the other side of this lake. So they took Jesus in a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are about to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you, not, do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning, Believers Church. We serve a good Jesus. And he loves us a whole lot. Me especially. Maybe more than you. I wouldn't say that out loud, though. That's just between me and him. I'm his favorite. But the truth is we're all his favorites. I don't like that part. I just want to be his own personal favorite. Um, last time I spoke... I shared with you all about how um, God had just done some amazing things for me in my life after I just decided to just say yes to him and obey him and listen to him despite all my fears and worries and dreads and anxieties. And I said um, that he had given me a girlfriend for the first time in 34 years and then I one-upped him and I made her my fiance. Come on now. Praise God. It's not often you get to one up Jesus. But sorry, God, I didn't mean that. It was a joke. There's a lot in Mark chapter 4 that we could dig out. And pay attention to, but the part I want to pay attention to is verse 21. When Jesus said, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp's placed on a stand where its light will shine. This same parable is also in Matthew chapter 5. And I like how Matthew says it better. But we were reading Mark 4. But I'm going to read Matthew 5. 
Matthew 5 says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And I like this part. Jesus said to the disciples, you are the light of the world. Jesus didn't say, I am the light of the world. And we say that a lot, Jesus is the light of the world. But Jesus said to the disciples, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Then no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I think it's the King James Version that says, let your light so shine. You are the light of the world. But I know in my own life that I often put my light under the basket. I um, know what I'm supposed to do for Jesus. I know who I'm supposed to be for Jesus. I know what I'm supposed to say for him, how I'm supposed to act for him, but I just keep my little light under the bushel, under the basket, so no one can see my light. Um, especially when I'm driving. <laughs> I want my light covered up. I don't have a Jesus fish on my car. I don't have a preacher sticker on my car. I don't have anything on my car to let anybody know that me and Jesus are like this. Because when they cut me off, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to let them know that I'm not happy about it. And I'm going to keep the light firmly covered in that moment. And I will come up with all sorts of Christian cuss words because I don't really cuss. I just Christian cuss. Um, things like, you sorry son of a mother. There's nothing wrong with that. He's somebody's son, some mother's son. It's not a cuss word. You sorry son of a mother. The other thing is, I drive a grandpa car. <laughs> so people think I'm going to be driving slow. But what people don't know is that my grandpa car is also the same cars that the police used to use. And the police used to use these cars because they're fast. It's not my fault that most people drive them slow. So people like to pull out in front of me because they think I'm going to be going about 25 miles an hour. Till I pull up on them at 50 and honking the horn and shaking my fist, keeping my light of Jesus firmly covered. 
Um, Pastor Mark likes to say when he's preaching sometimes that this one might sting a mite. This one burns. This one hurt me this week. It didn't just sting because Jesus showed me how often I keep his light covered up. Even with family, the family who we're supposed to love the most are sometimes the people we hurt the most. And we get so familiar with people that sometimes we, we react without thinking and we talk without thinking. We say things without thinking. Um, I have a family member who likes to just needle me with things and ask a bunch of questions and um, tell me something and then tell me the same thing um, for the next 30 minutes, every 30 minutes. Did you do that yet? Did you do this yet? Did you do that yet? Until finally I'm just like, stop it. And cover the light of Jesus. That's supposed to be shining out of me. I was just struck this week with how often I forget that I'm the light of the world. How often I forget who it is that's actually living in me. How often I forget what I'm actually supposed to be doing for him. And just do what I want. How often I forget that I'm not put on this earth for me. I'm not put on the earth to just be here and do what I want to do for 80 years and then die and be with Jesus. I forget that he put me here for a purpose and he put me here for a reason. That's more than eating Mexican food and buying guitars and driving around in a nice grandpa car and getting married and buying a house and having a well-paying job and coming to church and dropping my tithe in and going home and doing all, you know, the nice Christian duties. He has me here for more than just living this normal life. That... He has work for me to do, and he has work for you to do. He has work for us to do. I'm also here this morning representing for all the fellow introverts. Um, I see you. You don't have to raise your hand or shout because we don't do that. Just know I'm here for you. I'm here representing you. It's real easy for introverts to just let our light not shine. It's real easy for us to just stay quiet and not let anybody know that we love Jesus and that Jesus loves us and that Jesus has a purpose for us too. We get to do stuff too. We just do it quieter than everybody else. 
and to give a little less attention than everybody else. But anyway, God bless the introverts. He loves us too. He made you just the same as he made those crazy extroverts. And he loves us all the same. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. But how often I just cover my light up. When I'm in a store, when I'm at the bank, when I'm at the gas station, when the homeless guy accosts me going into Mary Max um, in Atlanta. I'm the light of the world. And in all those moments, I get to choose whether I'm going to be the light of the world or not. In every moment of my life, I get to choose if I'm going to be the light of the world or not. Or if I'm going to keep my light under the bushel. We used to sing the song, this is the light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Well, it's not a little light. It's not a little light that we have. It's actually Jesus himself on the inside of us that makes us the light of the world. So it's not a little light. And sometimes, hard as I might try, I can't always cover up the light that's in me. Romans 8 says, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now, I don't think we've got it yet, so I'm going to read it one more time. The very same Spirit of God that was present when Jesus was dead in a tomb for three days and brought him back to life and rolled the stone away, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The very same spirit that was there in the form of a dove that came down and descended when Jesus was baptized lives in you. The very same spirit that was on Moses when he raised his staff and parted the Red Sea lives in you. The very same spirit that was there when Jesus is in the boat with the disciples and says, peace be still, and the wind stops and the wave stops lives in you. The same spirit that was in Jesus when he lays his hand on the man with leprosy and the man with leprosy is healed lives in you. That same spirit lives in me. How dare me tell him he can't come out of me? How dare me say, no, Holy Spirit, not right now. No, not today. 
I'm not, I'm not feeling that today. All week long, I haven't been feeling this sermon. And on Tuesday, I, as staff, I almost said to Ryan, Ryan, you can just have both services. I just, I don't want to do this today. I don't want to do it. I don't want the pressure of it. I don't want the responsibility of it. I don't want it. You can have it. And Jesus wouldn't let me. He wouldn't let me. I got mad at him, but I, I got over it. Sometimes we don't, we don't let the light shine because we feel unworthy. And this week I was just feeling real unworthy to get up here and share the word of God with you. If we're just all being honest. I didn't feel worthy to come up here and share the word of God with you. I haven't prayed enough. I've only read my Bible because Mark told us to. And he's going to ask me when I come to work whether I've been reading it or not, and I'm going to have to say yes or no, and I don't want to tell him no. So, yeah, I read it, but not to get anything out of it, just so I could say I did before I went to sleep the night before, and I fell asleep reading it. Didn't even finish. I felt completely unworthy to come and stand here this morning and preach to you. I felt unequipped, which I often feel unequipped to do what Jesus wants me to do. How often we probably all feel unequipped to do what Jesus wants us to do, what Jesus has called us to do. We let fear and worry keep us from doing what Jesus wants us to do. We let fear stop us from telling the grocery store clerk, you know, Jesus loves you today. It seems real simple to just tell somebody that, but in the moment you're like, mm, no, cover the light up. No, no, Holy Spirit, not right now. Not going to do that. Because we feel unworthy or we feel like, well, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm stupid. I was in a KFC one time. It was an all-you-can-eat buffet. But you didn't know KFC had all-you-can-eat buffets. It's on Bankhead Highway just in case. Sitting in that KFC, there was a young lady at a table across the way. And Jesus told me to go tell her something. I said, no, I'm not. There is no way in your green earth that I'm going to do that. It's not going to happen. I love you, and I'll just pray that you speak that to her God, open her ears so she can hear you speak. (laughs) 
And while I'm sitting there trying to work up the nerve to do it, she walks out the door. And I miss my opportunity to be the light of the world to this girl who was obviously in need of something from Jesus or he wouldn't have told me to tell her. So when we cover the light, we have to think about the consequences. That girl missed out on a word from God because I just didn't want to do it. Maybe he got it to her another way. I hope he got it to her another way. But she missed it from me, and then I missed the blessing of getting to share it with her. But I guess I got a story to tell you this morning. It's funny how easy it is for us to talk about the things we love, like Mexican food for me. I just love Mexican food. And it's easy for me to talk to people about Mexican food. If Mark had asked me to come up here this morning and extol to you the wonders of Mexican food and all the best places to get it in Douglasville, I would have no problem with that. I could do that for an hour. And I feel fully equipped to do it. Monterey on Fairburn has the best cherry queso. But Monterey on Highway 5 has really great grilled chicken tacos. Blue Agave on Chapel Hill has wonderful al pastor tacos. Corn tortillas, cilantro, and onions. The real way, without cheese. Only Americans put cheese on Mexican food. I'm trying to think of all my favorite Mexican places. I don't like El Tio, which is on Highway 5, not my favorite. La Salsa has really good enchiladas. Um, I could take you through the menu at Monterey on Fairburn <laughs> and tell you everything to eat and everything to avoid. Because Mark and I go there sometimes three or four times a week. And we know the waiters by name. And they bring us our, our Diet Coke in giant, like, beer stein glasses. We just show up. They're on the table. We don't even have to ask. See how easy it is for me to go on and on about Mexican food. How naturally it flows for me to just come up here and talk about Mexican food. And I got real loose and confident talking about Mexican food. But it, when it comes to talking about Jesus, we just kind of back off. But I'm the light of the world. And you're the light of the world. And the world's, we say the world's getting dark. And we look around and we see all the things that are happening and, and we get worried and we get stressed because it feels like the darkness is growing. But the darkness can only grow so dark as we shine our light. So if the world's getting darker, it only means we're not doing our job. Because we're the light of the world. And darkness is only the absence of light. 
So if the world's getting darker, it's our fault. Help me, God. Help me, God. Jesus told the disciples to wait because they were going to receive a gift. Wait in Jerusalem because you're going to receive a gift. He said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power. We have received power to do what God has called us to do. We've received power that equips us to do what God has called us to do. And all we have to do is shine his light. All we have to do is tell what he's done for you. So it's hard for me to tell people whether Adam had a belly button or not since God made him and he wasn't born. It's hard for me to answer the questions about you know, the dinosaurs and where they're at in the Bible. It's hard for me to answer a lot of people's questions about the Bible, but it's not hard for me to answer what Jesus did for me. Just like Derek shared his story this morning, and I'm standing there crying because of the love of God in his life. It's just tell your story. Just tell what Jesus did for you. It's not hard to tell how he has revolutionized my life. He turned my life completely upside down and made every part of it better. So why should it be hard for me to tell somebody else about how good and how wonderful he is? Colossians 1 says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ also is the head of the church, which is his body. That's us. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he's first in everything. God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. That's us. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and you are blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Holy hallelujah. He's brought me into his own presence. And I am holy and blameless as I stand before him without a single fault. That's the good news we get to share with the world. 
That's the good news we get to share with people every day in our lives. I'm holy and blameless, and I stand before him without a single fault. But I'm acutely aware of my own faults. I'm acutely aware of my own sins. I'm acutely aware of how awful I am sometimes. So when it comes time for me to shine my light, when it comes time for me to do what God's asked me to do and, and, and be his light and scatter seed on the earth, well, yeah, but God, what about the fact that I yell at people when I'm driving? What about the fact that I almost cuss at people when, when I'm driving? What about the fact that I actually do cuss at people when I'm driving and I just pretend that I don't? What about, what about this and what about that? And what about how angry I get at my grandma when she's needling with me with all her questions? And what about how prideful I am? And what about how arrogant I am? And what about this and what about that? I can't do what, you've, what you want me to do because I'm not good enough. I know all my sins, Jesus. You forgot them, but I know them. And I can't get up on that platform Sunday morning and be your mouth to Believer's Church because of all of this. And he said, oh, well, I've already forgiven it. And I ask you to do it, so go do it. If I didn't want you to do it, I wouldn't have put it on Pastor Mark's heart for you to do it. If I didn't want you to do it, I would have let you ask Ryan to have both services. If I didn't want you to do it, there's a thousand ways I could keep you from getting up on that platform if I thought you were too unworthy to get up there and preach my word. There's a thousand ways I could keep you from doing it. You just don't want to let your light shine. You just want to keep it under a bushel. Second Corinthians chapter 5. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. This is our task, reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. 
So every person in this room today who has accepted Jesus as your Savior, who has the Holy Spirit of God living within you, that same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit who was present at every miracle that we hear about in the Bible, that same Spirit that's in us has called you a minister. All of us may not come up behind this pulpit or on this stage and preach, but every single one of us in the room today are ministers of reconciliation. Every single one of us are ministers to the world, telling them, God's not holding your sin against you anymore. God isn't mad at you anymore. He's mad at the devil. He's not mad at you. He's not counting your sins against you. The cross took care of your sin. All he wants is for you to come to him. So that's what we're supposed to do. I'm going to ask the band to come and play softly since I'm the piano player and I can't play softly and preach at the same time. As we turn our hearts toward taking communion this morning, I guess I just want you to ask yourself and ask God this morning, what's keeping me from letting my light shine? What's the bushel that I'm covering up my light with? Why is it that I cover up my light and don't let it shine to the world. Is it fear? Is it feelings of unworthiness? Feelings of I don't know enough? I don't know what it is, but I want you to ask God today as you come and take communion. There's also giving baskets on every table. There's boxes at both doors for you to give as well. And I say make your giving an act of worship. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that your presence is here. We thank you that when we seek you, you always show up. God, I pray that this week you would help us all to shine brighter than we've ever shined before. I pray that this week you help us all come to know and realize that you've called each and every one of us to be ministers of your reconciliation. That each and every one of us are ministers for you in this world. Shining in the darkness. Causing people to come to know you. Causing people to come back to you. Causing people to find your love, to see your love. God, I thank you for all that you're doing in Believer's Church. I thank you for all that you're going to do through Believer's Church as we all own our 50 feet shining for you. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. 
If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message.